This is your itinerary for travel and photography with your host, Rob Knight. Hi, this is Doug Kay from the All About the Gear podcast here on the TWIP Network. I just want to let you know that I still have a few openings for my workshop in Cuba in early November. For more information, head on over to DougK.com slash workshops. Thanks. Welcome to Your Itinerary. My name is Rob Knight, and this is episode number 35. My guest today is full-time photographer and proud father, Levi Sim. You're probably familiar with Levi from photofocus.com or maybe his weekly Lightroom Hangout. Uh, he's a portrait photographer, and he travels probably more than I do. Uh, Levi, I met Levi several years ago at Photoshop World, and we were kind of a couple of guys hanging around, checking out the scene, trying to get involved. And now I feel like Levi is everywhere I go and, uh, and attends every uh, event and trade show and everything, and he's all over the place. So um, the work that he does on the road, uh, again, as a portrait photographer and the tools that he uses and, and how he travels, I think you'll find very interesting. I spent last weekend with my family for Father's Day, uh, my kids and my dad, and I started thinking about family pictures. And I'm not really a portrait guy. I I'm, I'm consider myself a travel photographer, and I shoot a lot of nature photography, but I don't really take the time to make a lot of formal portraits. And I enjoy that. And I enjoy using flash or strobes or natural light or whatever to make portraits. But uh, I don't really take the time out of do, out of my time that I spend with my family to do that. And, you know, I was thinking a lot about that over the weekend because there's a lot of portraits that we see from our family from years ago or, or, you know, decades ago even that mean a lot to us, you know, and they capture that moment in time in a way that our memories just don't always hold up. So I'm going to make it a point to take some extra gear with me the next time I, I visit my family and, you know, make some good formal portraits and something that the family can share and uh, something that I'll have for my own records, if you will. But uh, I think that's important. And if you're a photographer, it's easy to to sort of not want to pick up the camera and not want to feel like you're working when you're hanging out with your family. I know that's that's kind of my deal. You know, I want to take time off and spend it with my family. But you know what? Those portraits that you can make of your family that maybe nobody else in your family can make, they can be really important, especially down the road. So it's just something to think about this week. And here is Levi Sim. Welcome, Levi, and thanks for coming on the show, man. Thanks. It's I'm, I'm glad you called me. I always like talking with you. Yeah, dude. I, I think we met at Photoshop World, I, I don't even know, six, seven, eight years ago. Um, and I always used to see you at Photoshop World, but now I feel like I see you at every photography event that I go to. <laughs> um, tell me a little bit about what you're doing on the road these days. Oh, so I travel a lot for my my shooting as a, as a full-time photographer and then also for conventions and, um, and a little bit of my own teaching. So I, I teach at some of the at some of the conventions, but I also go and interview, you know, I, I, I write for photofocus.com. And so I go meet people and, and make connections on new products and see what's out there and then try and figure out how it's going to help me and other photographers. Very cool. <laughs> I so sure you, enjoy that. So you have portrait clients, um, basically on the road or what, what sort of clients are you shooting for? Yeah, I've got a, a couple of different clients that bring me around. Um, one happens to be this this marvelous medical photography and i get to photograph live surgeries and cadaver labs and surgeons and some products and it's a really yeah like i I never thought i'd be there i never in a million years did i think i would be photographing um live surgeries 
in Tennessee or in Miami or in San Diego, but, uh, it's a whole different industry of photography and it's really cool. Um, I, I guess I've got the stomach for it. <laughs> <laughs> I guess so. So is it a, what, what, um, what is your client? Like it's, is it specific doctors that you work for? Or? No, no, it's actually, it's a, it's one particular company. I work for the marketing company for a company who, who markets a product that surgeons use in surgery. Ah, okay. <laughs> and so, um, <laughs> pretty typical so I, gig, right? <laughs> yeah, right, right. So I make pictures that they use to teach other surgeons. Excuse nice. me. <clears throat> well, that's super okay. cool. Yeah, well, it's, it's neat. And then also, um, one of, one of my other clients lately is uh, Utah State University, and I get to, to uh, help them with all kinds of pictures to market their campuses. They have a campus in just about every town in the entire state, and students can go there and, and learn in their town and get a master's degree or a bachelor's degree and not have to leave their jobs or, or their family to go to the main campus up in Logan, Utah. And so um, nice. I get to photograph all these students and teachers doing their thing and and it's really cool. Yeah. So lifestyle kind of stuff and portraiture and that kind of thing. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah. Lifestyle and in, in kind of over the shoulder journalistic stuff, as well as, um, as well as composed portraits and group portraits, lots of headshots, lots of, um, environmental portraiture, which is, I, I just love doing. It's, I, I think it's my favorite thing is environmental portraiture. Yeah. I, I know most of your work that I'm familiar with is definitely people related and when you're when you're traveling that much to shoot, what kind of equipment do you travel with in order to be an effective portrait photographer on location? Oh yeah, when when I'm doing jobs like Utah State, um, I'm literally shooting in just about every environment I can imagine, and I'm doing it all in one day. So we'll do we'll do six or seven different shoots in a day. And uh, for instance, I started the morning um, in an airplane. In a, in a small propeller airplane with some uh, aviation students, okay. and then we headed to uh, headed after that, did some some portraits on the on the tarmac with airplanes and stuff, and then headed back to the campus and photographed kids running around on the on the quad in the courtyard there, looking you know campus life kind of stuff, and then we went into a genetics lab. And squeezed into like they, they had this lab so jam packed full of equipment. Everything was on wheels and it was like a Tetris game to move from one end to the other. You had to zigzag around and move all these tables just to get across the room. Um, so I'm, I'm in all these different situations and like on the tarmac, I can't have, I can't have my, my big lights. My, I, I use alien bees for my studio lights and I can't have my eight foot umbrella out there like I'd like to. Because I've got to be able to move it out of the way of the, the airplane that's taxiing in and stuff like this. Right. And it, and you don't want it to act like a sail and carry exactly. the rest of your stuff off. Sure. Exactly. And so in that case, I'm using primarily speed lights and uh, diffuser and reflectors. And then um, over back on campus, I, I do have space and I've got room and I've got a golf cart to carry stuff. So nice. <laughs> so I get, to, I get to use my big lights and light up eight people um, all together looking good with and from a distance so that my lights aren't in the shot and stuff. And then in that genetics lab, I've got a, I've, I've got a mix of speed light and, um, alien bees so that I can, I can stick a couple speed lights up in the corners to kind of raise the ambient in the room and then use my, my bigger light to give some directional light on, on my whole subject. Um, so if I can, I take everything I've got 
two C stands and two collapsible light stands I travel with, and then um, two Alien Bees heads and four speed lights. So you're loaded for bear, lighting-wise. <laughs> yeah, That's good. Right. And right. so are you, are you driving to most of these gigs then? No, this is even flying. Wow. Uh, I can, if, if I hold my breath, I can squeeze it in two cases and, um, and then, you know, a significant carry on and a shoulder bag. But the, the thing about it is, well, and you're a, you're a luminary for, for Panasonic. Right. And I couldn't do it this way without my micro four thirds gear. It's, yeah. it's been a revolution for me because my entire camera kit fits into my shoulder bag. That's tiny and, and small. Like I could literally hold it on my, on my lap in the plane if I had to. Sure. And sure. So, uh, so all your lights go in your basically rollerboard. Exactly. Going over it. I see. That's cool. Exactly. And then I've got a, a Cabela's rifle case that my C stands go in. Nice. <laughs> and you check those, right? You don't, I do. Yeah. 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 I get, I get lots of looks. They say you're a photographer. That's in the <laughs> rifle case. <laughs> I'm sure if anybody, I mean, even baggage handlers, I don't have to knock wood about this, but even baggage handlers, if, if they break a C stand they're they're yeah. being rough on some stuff. Yeah, man. absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> and, and it's funny though. So Cabela's is a, a big outfitter. Um, and maybe it's not the best idea to buy the rifle case straight from them because the first time I checked it, it set off all kinds of alarms, <laughs> it's, you know, in the store, it's sitting right next to all the ammunition. So. Right. Sure. Sure. <laughs> Who knows what kind of chemicals were sitting on it. That's funny. Do you have to open it when you check it and all that stuff? Uh, yeah, it's some of the airports, they, they always check it. And some of the airports have me take it over to the TSA guy, but TSA always checks a hard case. Right. Absolutely. I've seen people checking rifles for, you know, I can assume hunting trips and things like that. And the guy's got camouflage pants on and he's obviously a hunter and, He's got oh, his not rifle. Me, dude. I, I was packing last time I went to Atlanta. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, I've, I've seen people and the people in line behind the guy with the rifle just freak out. And like, well, this guy is obviously a law abiding gun owner who is checking his rifle to go hunting. You know, he's not going right. <laughs> to he's right. not going to open it up, show it to everybody and then start blazing away. You know, it's not exactly like, let's exactly. relax just a little it's bit. It's just another tool in the case. You know, Absolutely. anyway, I actually heard um, I, I've talked to several people who've heard this tip in one form or another, but about packing a uh, starter pistol in with your gear because it's treated the same as a, as a regular firearm. But they, um, the photographer that I was reading the article about with years ago used a Pelican case and he would actually check his photography gear, but he would check it with the starter pistol. So then yeah. it gets special treatment from the TSA and they, they track it, you know, better than they do regular luggage and they, they handle it very gent, you know, gingerly. And, uh, I never tried that, but I, I don't know if they still would do that or not. Right. And, and you get to be there as they inspect your stuff. So you can put it back in the case and make sure all the buttons are locked. Cause like my, my, uh, strobes case the other day, TSA didn't lock the latches back down and one of them broke off. One of the latches actually broke Jeez. Uh, after handling. So that's a drag. Yeah. And somehow I've, I've been traveling with these lights for, uh, six years and my reflectors that, that go on the strobes, you uh -huh. know, they're, they're like a cone shaped, sure. um, aluminum dish and they've, they've been in perfect condition for six years. And wow. somehow in one trip the other day, TSA jammed them back in wrong and just dented them all up. <laughs> Good grief. After six <laughs> now, years. Now I look like Matthew Jordan Smith. Now I look like a seasoned photographer. <laughs> so, thank you, TSA. Thank right. you for putting the patina on my gear. <laughs> <laughs> Giving you some street cred. 
That's right. Yeah. We used to I, I looked my... like a poser when I showed up at shoots. It was just embarrassing. So. Yeah. Well, people <laughs> used to make fun of me, uh, and probably still do about I play the drums and uh-huh. I have the the little plastic sleeves that symbols come in. Right. And I put the symbols back in the sleeve <laughs> and I put them in the case and people are like, What are you doing, man? I said, Okay, tell me how old these symbols are. I don't yeah. know. I'm like these are 15 years old. They look brand new, you know, and <laughs> right. that's why. So we we can shoot together, Rob. You, you and I, we can go out together. We, we there can you go. Take care of stuff together. That's absolutely, all right. absolutely. Always okay. Here's here's a tip for everybody. If you close your bag or your case or your shoulder strap bag or anything, lock it or don't close it. Leave it open or lock it closed every single time. And you won't have anybody pick up your bag and spill all your gear. <laughs> that <laughs> I tell everybody tip. who shoots with me every every single shoot. Um, yeah, it only takes one time of picking up your, your yeah. bag when it's open. Right. Yeah, right, man. I just about dumped somebody's 5D Mark II with a 16 to 35 right to the ground from a from a picnic table at uh, NAB show the other day. I was, that was terrible. Yeah, <laughs> they said, "Hand me my bag." <laughs> and it was open and it was open oh my yep. god so well i've got to ask you about this ongoing project that i i see yeah. periodically your your steve jobs project and so basically um for those of you who haven't seen it it's it's portraits of lots of different people in the style of that albert watson steve jobs portrait it's from what the biography cover right yeah it was there it was also on i think it was time magazine initially I see. Right. So, so tell me how you, how you decided to start a series like this. No, it, you know, I don't, I, I think it just started my, uh, and, it, and it started the day that, that Steve Jobs died. My assistant and I were, well, we, we had, um, we had a lunch meeting every, every Wednesday in Cache Valley, Utah. Well, now they've switched to Thursdays. In fact, they're meeting right now while we're talking. They, uh, they get together and have a, a brown bag lunch meeting and, People come from work on their lunch hour and get together and discuss Scott Kelby's blog that day. Huh. And, uh, and so we were there discussing Scott Kelby's blog. And it was a great post, but it was quickly overshadowed by the news of Steve Jobs' death. And so we're, we're looking at, at the photograph. You know, it's a striking photograph of Steve Jobs. And it was the landing page on Apple.com. And it was plastered on billboards everywhere. And... Um, and we're looking at that and we're going, huh, what if we, what if we try and remake it? You know, let's mess around and, and try something. So Justin and I went up in the studio and, and made a couple of pictures. And then um, in my studio, I also rented out rooms to music students. And uh, one of the dads of the students was hanging around. I said, hey, can we try this picture with you? Come in here and look, look at Steve Jobs and make the same picture. And then his whole family did it. And then I put a note on Facebook and said, hey, anybody want to come down and, and do a Steve Jobs picture? You're welcome. And 100 people came. Whoa. <laughs> and so we, uh, we did that. And then, um, and then I, I showed it to Scott Bourne one day. And he goes, and you're still doing it, right? <laughs> and and you, you got to keep doing this. It's, it's really cool. And so, so we keep doing it. And it, it really is fun. It's, um, it, it takes about 30 seconds to set up or to to have a person step in even less when I'm, when I'm at like WPPI, I do about three seconds per person and somebody steps in, I show them the picture. I say, do this, put your left foot forward, bring your left hand up here, lift your knuckle a little bit, look down at my toes, look up here. Like you're trying to rule the world. And, uh, and it makes a great picture. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's, it's instantly recognizable no matter who's 
who the photo is of, you know, yeah. it's instantly, oh, it's that's the Steve Jobs picture. That's yeah, funny. It's, it's quite iconic for our time. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And so the subject is just whoever wants to do it, right? Exactly. Exactly. And it's it's kind of liberating too. And I'd encourage anybody to do it. It's not I mean, I do it all the time and it's a personal project for me, but it's not my picture. I mean, it's it's Albert Watson's photograph, this one, but also um also he, Albert Watson wasn't the first one to photograph Steve like this. Steve posed in this pose several times through his career. It's really Steve's really uh, posed himself, sure. yeah. Interesting. And uh yeah, so anybody's welcome to do it. It's a great icebreaker when you're starting a a portrait session. I do it at like chamber of commerce events and kind of introduce myself to people this way. Yeah. They laugh. Everybody laughs when they make this picture. I bet. And, uh, and they have a good time. And most people say it's the best picture they've ever had of themselves. That's and, funny. uh, yeah, because, because it's, it's liberating to act like somebody else. And so they're less self-conscious about, about their own self in the photograph. Sure. And as the photographer, I mean, it's gotta be, it's gotta make you a little less self-conscious too, because you're not really, you're just making the picture. And so as, as an icebreaker for you, as the, uh, as the creative end of that deal, you know, that's gotta be sort of, sort of help you to get comfortable with the subject as well. Oh, it does. It does. It, it gives me something to talk about. I mean, I'm uh, like, uh, at, at photo conferences, if, if you see me at, uh, Photoshop world or WPPI, I'll wrangle you from the aisle and say, Hey, come over here. Let, let me show you what we're doing. And, and sure. I'm, I'm, inviting people in and it's a good exercise for me for sure to uh to talk to people and become proficient the i i wish this not, not that i wish that steve had died six months earlier but six months before this i was doing a similar thing at a uh at a home and garden show i set up a booth in there sure and invited people in to to make a picture with me and it's not a it's not a photo booth where they stand in front of there and put on silly hats and and things it's it's a picture it's it, like it's a it's a, a good photograph with me and, sure. but i do it very quickly and i did 1500 pictures in a weekend at the home and garden show wow. 1500 portraits yeah and there is nothing better for making you good at your work than doing something like this you get the you get the settings down you notice immediately when something is has changed you know if you bump a dial on your camera you notice right away that there was something wrong and you figure out how to fix it and you figure out really very quickly how to help people look their best in the photograph. Right. Because you're going to deal with all body types and all genders and ages right there. And, uh, and some are, are hit or miss. I mean, you, not every one of them has to be a masterpiece. But as you go through, the ones toward the end are going to be significantly better than the ones you started with at the beginning because you'll, you'll realize that man, when that person stood like that, it looked great. And if I, if I stand a person with, with a similar body type in that same, in a similar pose, they're going to look much more flattered as well. And so right. it's just great practice. I'd encourage anybody to set up a, a booth and make an interactive photograph. Sure. And what a great tip for people. I have a lot of clients who want to make, uh, the, whether it's street photography or street portraits, especially in these, um, yeah. like in the style of say Zach Arias or something like that. Right. So what a great, opportunity for them to just set up in one spot on a street corner yeah. and say, Hey, I'm doing a series. Cause then you're not like specifically talking to that person necessarily, which exactly. you know, that's the intimidating part. You're not saying, Hey, exactly. I want to make a picture of you. You're saying, Hey, I'm making pictures of a lot of people including, and I'd like to include you. Yeah. And you if know? you say, 
I've already done it with 300 people. Right. You've given them social proof that it's not weird <laughs> and that, that it's something that a lot of people are doing. And so when I say we've, we've already made over a thousand of these Steve Jobs portraits and I'd like you to be a part, nobody says no. Right. You're not going to be the guy who says no. <laughs> yeah, you don't no. want to be the guy who says no. <laughs> and, uh, and, and it's, it's, it's fun. And that's the main thing is that, that people really actually have a good time doing it. So yeah, if you can, if you can set, you know, go to the gardener's market, go to the garage sale. If somebody's having a garage sale in your neighborhood, yeah. set up at the garage sale. It's a blast. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's fun. Very cool. What's your what's your lighting setup for that? Because it's a specific, you know, high key background kind of a thing. What do you what do you drag it along is. with you to do that? It is, and it it depends on how many people I'm going to be photographing. Mm -hmm. If if I'm doing ten, well, I'd like to say it depends. Often it doesn't. Often it depends on how much space I've got. Uh, the background should be white. Yeah. And the the trouble is, I'm usually in the corner of a room someplace. And if I put a light on the background, it actually ends up reflecting forward and wrapping around people's face and giving them kind of an edge light. Right. And that, that's, it's not a big deal, but it's not the look I'm after. Um, you know, Watson used a, it looks like a beauty dish to me from about, you know, 45 by 45 and coming, coming down from slightly above and about 45 degrees to Steve's right. And, uh, and so I, I mimic that with a speed light in either a, uh, I've, I've done it quite a lot with a, with a beauty dish. I've got a speedlight beauty dish. And then I've also got the Westcott, um, rapid box. Mm -hmm. And that does a, that does a fair job. But my favorite right now is the Fotix Luna, which is also a collapsible beauty dish. Oh, right. And I've seen that. Yeah. It's only 75 bucks. It's, it's really terrific. It's, it's my number one, uh, portrait modifier for speedlights right now because it's so convenient and, so well made and, and it's got a white interior whereas the rapid box is on the silver oh, and i right. like that white for a little more softness yeah definitely uh, so that on a stand and then for the background if if i can light it i try to but it seems it seems no matter how hard i try to light it um i get too much light coming forward sure. so now i put them in front of a, a white or neutral background although it, it doesn't have to be in fact it often works better if it's not neutral and then I use on one software to clip them out on ones. Wow. Uh, their, their masking tool is so good. You just draw a box around them and yeah. it masks them perfectly, including all their flyaway hairs and everything. I've got this one lady with super curly, massive hair on top and it just did a perfect job of, of clipping her off. And so that is really quick. And it's, it's, it takes about two minutes for, per photograph to do that. Uh, so I end up doing that more than I ought to, <laughs> Yeah, you know, I ought to just light it, but sure. But I, well, that's, I and that's easy to say if you have a ton of space and you can have your subject far enough from the background where you can use flags and that kind of right. thing. But right. if you're in a small space, that's, that's a, sounds like a way better way to go. It's pretty good. And, and I mean, it, it always seems like every time I set up, I'll say, Oh, I'll just clip it later until it's 3 a.m. At, at WPPI after shooting at, at a party. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I've got I've got 75 of these portraits to edit. <laughs> oh, geez. And uh, then I'm cussing it and thinking, why am I still doing this stupid project? <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> but then as soon as I deliver them, people, or, or people come up to me the next day at the show and go, man, I'm so glad I made a picture with you. That was so fun. 
it's the best pic. I, I haven't had a photograph taken of me in 20 years, and I'm I'm glad you you let me be part of the project and things, and then it rejuvenates the enthusiasm for it. Absolutely, almost. absolutely. Well, you know, speaking of travel, you and I take a lot of the same kind of trips. You know, we're teaching or we're giving a presentation, and uh, you know, maybe a couple of interviews here and there before we jump on a plane to head home or head somewhere else. Right. And even though we're in the photography business, sometimes it's hard to grind out time to actually go make a picture. And uh, I'm sure that a lot of business travelers who are into photography think that we have it made because we're, you know, we're taking these photography right, trips, exactly. but, but we have it just as hard. Do you have any tips for carving out time for your own photography when you're on these, you know, it's basically a business trip? I do. I've got, I've got two tips. The first one is hide the remote control. There's, <laughs> there's no reason to watch television when you're on a business trip. No doubt. <laughs> like uh, I used to travel as an engineer and I actually got to spend a month and a half in Atlanta on, on business when I was a new photographer, mm -hmm. um, before I quit my job and the guys I would travel with, like, like I, I was an engineer traveling with a salesman and they would, um, like crash and, and have a drink and watch, you know, HBO or something. And right. watch whatever's on. <laughs> yeah. Watch whatever's on. Yeah, and, sure. uh, and that's, that's the way to, to not, take control of your photography. So I would, I would walk out the door and hit the street and go make a picture. Oh, actually the very first stop, whenever you go to a hotel, drop your bags off in your room and then go up the stairs all the way to the top and see if you can get on the roof. Yeah. <laughs> and I'd say about 30% of the hotels I can get on the roof and, uh, you know, don't, don't be noisy about it. Don't, don't tell the guys I told you this, but, uh, <laughs> words. Yeah, Saudi Arabia was my favorite hotel to get on the roof of. Um, but go up there and you, you get a different perspective. And then if you can't get on the roof, go find a parking garage and get up high and look over the city you're working in. Other than that, just walk down the street and take a picture. Um, and then if, if you're doing this on a business trip, why not do it at home? You know, hide the remote and then walk out your door. I, I, was, I was doing a, a photo walk the other night. And here in Portland where I live, and I, I said to myself, gosh, if, if I was in Taiwan and I was on a business trip, I would stop and take this picture. <laughs> so I'm going to go ahead and stop and take this picture, even though it's one that I see all the time as I'm, you know, living here. Sure. And, uh, it ended up doing well in the contest we had after the, after the photo walk and stuff, but, nice. uh, that's yeah, one of the just, hardest you know, things about, about travel photography. And I've talked, I've, I've, it's, it's becoming a mantra on the show. Like one man's travel photography is another man's trip to the bakery, you know? Exactly. Exactly. And Sorry. so why not, why not be the travel photographer in your own town? Sure. It's tough it's though. Yeah. It's it hard is. to get inspired by it that. It is. Absolutely. But if, if you're also working as a professional photographer in your town, it's also the best way to, um, to, to be introduced to your town. I mean, walk around and, and take some pictures and talk to the people you meet on the street, talk to the, talk to the business owners and, uh, Say, hey, uh, I just saw your shop and it looks really cool. Do you mind if I make some pictures? I'm just, I'm just having fun, you know, taking a, taking my lunch break. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there's no reason that, that photography needs to be your profession. My profession is running a small business and I'm lucky enough that I get to take pictures on work hours. <laughs> right. And that's cool. But then, you know, if, even if you are trying to start a business, like you said, that's a great way to introduce yourself. Yeah. To your community as the photographer. So absolutely. Yeah. That's... And then my my second tip for you, if you're traveling, is to do an airport photo walk. Hmm. 
uh, schedule a little longer layover and walk around the airport and make pictures. The airports in America have some of the best architecture we get to see. You know, they're, they're like some of the newest buildings and they get updated and they have cool art and excellent light and all these interesting stuff and plenty of interesting people as well. They and really so, do. Yeah. Yeah. So, so take, take a few minutes, keep your camera handy and do an airport photo walk. I try to photograph most of my pilots as well. Yeah. <laughs> as I, yeah, as, as I get on the plane, I just poke <laughs> my head in. If, if I have to talk to the stewardess, I'm 50% less likely to get to the pilots. I'm so sure. if I can, if I can, if I can poke my head straight into the cockpit and say, Hey fellas, do you mind if I make a picture of you today? And, uh, <laughs> they, I've only been turned down once. And then one other time the guy said, well, I don't want to be in a picture. And the co-pilot said, I don't want to be in a picture either. So they got up and walked out of the cockpit and let me make a picture of the empty cockpit. <laughs> <laughs> I think the post that day was something. And then, and then I put on Instagram and Twitter and tag Delta and, and things. And, and they, uh, they retweet them pretty frequently. That's um, funny. But, but yeah, an airport photo walk is just a great way to go. That is a great it idea. Gives, yeah. It yeah, gives you something to do. Sure. You know? Sure. And, and uh, like you said, they're always, they're always the newest, like there's always something new going on at an airport and, and big windows. And that's yep. a great tip. Great. Yeah. Tip. And, and airports, I mean, or airplanes are like the best photo studio ever. You've got a great key light shining from one window and then these terrific kickers coming in from the other windows nearby. <laughs> so I try to make portraits on the planes pretty frequently as well. Nice. Nice. Yeah. It's so easy to get, get into that kind of well, for me, anyway, to get into that like business travel, I'm I'm just trying to relax, and I I don't do a lot of work on planes. I, that's one of the few right. times, you know, you know, you have you have young children too, so right. one of the few times I get to just sit quietly and not have anything expected of me is on an airplane. So I tend to take advantage of that. <laughs> that's not bad at all. Yeah. So everybody, you know, use the hashtag Airport Photo Walk and uh, I like show, it. Show us some travel photography. Nice. I like it. Good idea. Cool man. Well, let's. I'm going to wrap up the uh, the episode with my my usual five questions. So, what's your current photo gear setup, and how has that changed in the last year? Oh man, in the last year, it's changed a hundred percent. A year ago, this week, I bought a, uh, a Nikon DF and a GH4, Panasonic GH4. I've heard and of that. The, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the reason was that. That I mistakenly let Delta put my bag under the plane, and it came back um, rattling. Uh, <laughs> they they broke uh, six thousand dollars worth of gear. Oh my you, god! You don't have to let them put it under the plane. There's Never room in the, in the in the uh, closet at the front of the plane. It should fit under your seat. It would have fit under my seat. I was super tired, and I let them convince me anyway. So I got all this new gear, and I had plenty of Nikon stuff to work with, but. Um, the, the GH4 was my, my big gamble. It was the replacement for one of the cameras that broke in my bag. And I, I'd been wanting to try it. You know, I'd seen you using it. I'd seen Julio using it and wanted to give it some, some erst, erstwhile effort at, at seeing if it couldn't work. Sure. And I got hooked, man. And then all I had to do was sell my 70 to 200 and my 14 to 24 and it paid for 10 other lenses. So I still have the DF sitting here. If anybody wants a DF, I've got a great deal on one because I don't have any impetus, impetus to sell it because uh, just selling two of my lenses paid for 10 other lenses that I've got now. So I've got a GH4, a GX7. Um, I just got the 
like a 15 millimeter 1.7 and oh, a that's great. 5 millimeter 1.4. Yeah, I love those. And the, the jewel is, of course, the Noctocron, the, the like a 42.5 millimeter f1.2. Yes. Um, I've also got the Olympus 75. I've still got the 17 millimeter Olympus. That, that, those are both, both f1.8. And they're phenomenal lenses, but I just got the, the 15 millimeter, so I need to get rid of the, the 17. I've also got the 7 to 14 millimeter uh, Lumix and the I've got the uh, Olympus 9 millimeter F8 fisheye mm-hmm. body cap. That is a really great lens. I've sold a lot of pictures made with that lens. That's funny. Um, and then I've got I've got three lens babies as well. And the lens baby is perfect for micro four thirds because of the focus peaking. So I can see what's actually in focus yeah. before I make the picture. And I, I love it. I, I've got the edge 80 and the sweet 35 from lens baby. And those are just magnificent. And then I'm, I'm borrowing the, uh, the brand new velvet 56, which is really cool. Um, it's a, it's the, probably the sharpest lens I've ever used. And it's got 12 blades in the diet, in the aperture, which wow. makes perfectly circular bokeh bubbles in the background. And then it's got this defocus thing where you, you just pull it a little closer and you get this amazing glow in your photographs without any post work. And it's just huh. beautiful. So the Velvet 56 is a, a marvelous lens that will be joining me. Wow. Um, oh, and then I've got the Sigma. <laughs> a lot of stuff. I've got the Sigma 30 millimeter and the Sigma 60 millimeter. And those are both phenomenal lenses. They're super light and they're under 200 bucks each. And, um, they're, they're really great lenses at F 2.8. They're just not quite as fast as my others. <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy how uh, those lenses yeah. are, they're just so small and cheap, but, but everybody raves about them. Oh, it's yeah. I mean, I have no complaints about sharpness or focus speed. Um, they're really cool lenses. So that my 30 millimeters for sale, because I just bought the Leica 25. So that's, it's too much overlap for me. Yeah. It's uh, those, those Leica, uh, Lumix lenses are there. There really is a difference. It's there really is. There really beautiful. Is. Yeah. Um, and then yesterday, I got to handle the G7. Mark Toll came over. Nice. And, uh, and let me put my hands on the new G7, and that just might replace my GX7. Um, it's got all the features of the GX7 and then some. Plus, sure. it's got the the touch focus while you're looking through the viewfinder. If you guys. If anybody listening to this hasn't picked up a GH4 and used the touch autofocus, you can look through the viewfinder and move the focus point on the screen using your thumb to any point in the entire frame. It's just so liberating. It's yeah. awesome. Yeah. I shoot with, with both eyes depending on what I'm shooting. Oh, so yeah. So if I use my left eye, then I always move the focus point with my nose, so I have to turn that yes, off. Yes, that's, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I still haven't seen a, a G7 in person. I'm looking forward to getting one for sure. Yeah, it's cool. It's cool. It's it's light and uh, it's kind of like a like a scrappy little brother to the GH4, I think. Right. <laughs> uh, and then I've got uh, right now I've got a Lumix Speedlight and two Nikon Speedlights and a Young Noel Speedlight I use. Cool. And uh, the batteries for the GH4 are on brand, and I've got two knockoff batteries for the GX7, which don't last that well, but they're handy in a pinch. Absolutely. Better than no extra battery, for sure. Right, right. So I think that's that's all the primary gear I've got. <laughs> that, was, that was very <laughs> thorough. Thank and you. it all fits in a shoulder bag. I know, that's, that's so the funny, funny part. Yes. Yeah. 
Um, and then, I, I, yeah, I, I love the uh, Vanguard bags. I'm a Vanguard pro. Cool. And they've got just some terrific small bags that, that work really well. Nice. That's the hardest thing to find with Micro Four Thirds is uh, actually pro quality small bags. Yeah. You know, so many bags that, you know, if, the, if you have the their mirrorless bag, then it's kind of a consumer level and it feels right. kind of chintzy. And they won't um, hold the GH4. Yeah. Right, right. And the ones, uh, I use the Tenba bags because they have uh-huh. really nice, you know, bulletproof bags that are not eight inches deep. They're right. Yeah. yeah. We're, we're not storing a 1DX in there. So. Absolutely. That's good. Cool. Well, um, what do you do on the road? Do you have any any sort of uh, rituals or anything to make your hotel room feel like a home away from home? Uh, yeah. Um, outlet splitters. <laughs> that's, that's the main thing. Put a couple of those in your bag, go down to Harbor Freight Tools and, uh, and pick up the, you know, it goes, you plug it in the outlet and it's got three outlets on it. Sure. <laughs> you need one of those. Um, although I stayed recently at a Best Western in, in Eastern Utah yeah. and, and there were, uh, 17 outlets <laughs> available. Wow. In the room, it was it was marvelous. I that is marvelous. Uh, so an outlet splitter. What else do I do? Um, you know the um, they've got what's that thing called? There's this hood that has suction cups, and you and it's black, and you stick it up on the window, and then you put your lens through it. Oh right, so you so, shoot out your window. So yeah, so it, it does away with reflection. reflections. That's cool. Yeah, right. So that's cool. I don't use one of those, <laughs> but, I, but I gaff tape the bag for my five in one reflector up around my camera just like that. And, yeah. uh, you know, bring, bring something black so you can shoot out your window and cut the reflections, um, around it. Um, other things I, you know, I, I bring earplugs. I, I found that just having earplugs helps me sleep a lot better in a hotel. Yeah. Uh, I use the morning call. You know, I, I use the front desk as a morning call, but I also set my phone alarm. <laughs> There've been one too many times when the front desk didn't call to wake me up. Yeah, I would uh, definitely not do that. I I, right. I used right. to do that, but I, I'll set my phone and my and my uh, watch both. Yeah, yeah, got to do both. Yeah, we had uh, a had a gal in our uh, a workshop in Maine last weekend, and I called called her at we were supposed to meet at six a.m. and I called her at six a.m. and she answered the phone. She said. What happened? I said, it turned six o'clock. <laughs> what do you mean? What happened? She's like, I set two alarms. Well, she set them for <laughs> she set them for five p.m. So, oh so no, yeah, pretty funny. Exactly, exactly. Uh, one other thing that that I do that I I've, for travel that that people um, always ask me about my laptop, my MacBook has two little strips of Velcro on the lid, and those strips of Velcro correspond to strips of Velcro on my hard drives. Oh, my, nice on my passport hard drives and then I stick them to the lid and they don't get disconnected or take up space on the plane or on my, you know, sometimes the the hotel has quite a small desk as well. Sure. And that helps, that helps me be able to work because things aren't coming unplugged. Like if you ever had the uh, hard drive sitting, trying to sit on your lap with a hard drive on the plane, it's impossible. So stick a little Velcro on it and, um, I'm surprised nobody's come up with a better looking solution yet. Right. So then the hard drive basically just sits on the back of the screen as you're working. Exactly. Nice. That's a great so, idea. So that's, that's a pretty good way to, to work. Very cool. Well, um, from a photography standpoint, what's your favorite place that you visited lately? Oh man. Well, it's gotta be, 
uh, you know, the Tampa airport was pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> I was in, I was in seven airports last month. Wow. And four airports in one day. And, and Tampa was pretty nice. You know, the, the Portland airport is the number one favorite airport of people in America. And so that's a good spot to go through. But, um, <laughs> I, I had a lot of fun in Northern Utah recently shooting out there. Uh, where else have I been? Oh gosh, I was, I was up on Mount hood the other day shooting in the forests around Mount hood. Cool. And that was just gorgeous. Yeah. It's a, it's a beautiful spot. Nice. Um, I love to go to Atlanta. Man, there's no end of things to photograph in Atlanta. Well, you'll have to come and show them to me then. <laughs> <laughs> One man's bakery. Exactly. Exactly. Travel photo. No yeah. doubt. Well, what's what's coming next for you? What are you looking forward to visiting and, and shooting next? Oh, I'm excited. You know, the day this this podcast airs, I'll be in Chicago at the Out of Chicago conference, cool. which is just a fun, fun conference shooting. In, well, and I, I should say Chicago is a really great spot to shoot as well. Um, and then, uh, and then I'm headed to, to Photoshop world in yeah. August. And I've got between, between there, I've got two family reunions that should be pretty fun. One on the coast in Oregon and one on, uh, the green river in Utah at, at flaming gorge. And so I'm looking forward to that as well. Um, I've got some, probably a trip to Seattle in there somewhere. It'll be pretty, pretty good time. I think. Nice. Right now, yeah. yeah, sounds like a good summer. Yeah. Very cool. Well, Levi, thanks so much for being on the show, man. Uh, where can uh, uh, listeners find out more about you online? Oh, so you can find me all the time at photofocus.com. We've been publishing articles there for almost 18 years every day. And wow. so I'm, I'm lucky enough to be a contributor there. You'll also find me on the PhotoFocus podcast, um, which is a sister to Twip. And you'll find me on Instagram and Twitter at photo Levi. Very cool. Well, thanks again for coming on, man. And I'm sure I'll, I'm sure I'll see you around. And I'll talk to you soon. Definitely. Thanks Rob. You bet. And if you like what you hear on your itinerary, please tell all your friends about it and stop by iTunes and leave us some positive feedback. And don't forget to connect with me on Twitter at your itinerary. And thanks for listening. I'll see you next week. You've been listening to your itinerary with Rob Knight. Head over to this to check out the other Twip shows and get on our mailing list. Become a TWIP member to get exclusive benefits and member pricing on TWIP products and workshops. Start planning your next adventure, and we'll see you next week on your itinerary for travel and photography.